When's the last time you took in a movie and met Jesus? Ever? Possible? Reports beginning to come in with people just going to a movie and leaving as new creations in Christ. That's not supposed to happen today. But praise God, it is. Jesus Revolution opened the day after public meetings ended at Asbury in Wilmore, Kentucky. A Christian-based movie based on an earlier revival movement hit number three at box offices. Some theaters even broke out in spontaneous worship when the film ended. A TikTok video from Florida shows dozens of moviegoers singing and praying, a musician at the front playing the guitar. In California, 10 moviegoers accepting Christ after the movie ended. That's shared by a pastor posting on Facebook. A technical glitch at another theater, and midway through, a young girl bravely stood and asked who needed prayer. People started offering requests while this young girl and her friends prayed for them before the movie restarted. Welcome to Haven Today here on Tuesday. I'm Charles Morris, where I get to share the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're in a series called Revive Us Again. Yesterday, we aired part of a message from a pastor at a church I visited last week there in Wilmore, Kentucky. It's a message of invitation coming out of Matthew 22. It's clear we have this, this God of invitation, a God of bidding, a God of calling, a God of, of summoning. It is his very heart. He is the wooing God. That's John Lane, who I heard preach at the Wilmore Free Methodist Church in Kentucky Sunday before last. Stay with me to hear the second part of that message. And we'll also catch up with another pastor in England who's helped produce a documentary on revival. He's going to share a story from a past revival that I believe will move your heart. It was later estimated that 500 people came to faith in Jesus Christ as a consequence of that one sermon. That's Pastor Jeremy Walker joining us again a little later to share a unique story of revival. And then after this program, I want to send you the documentary he hosted and wrote that's simply called Revival. The work of God. This feature-length film was shot on location at a number of places where revival broke out. And it features many well-known pastors and scholars who help retell stories of revival through Christian history. I think it's important to remind ourselves of how God has moved in the past so that it will inspire us to see God move today. So when you call us after the program, just to ask for the double DVD set of revival. Our number is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website, watch the extended trailer of the documentary, and then make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And now let's get this program started with Nicole Mullen with Michael O'Brien. I father in heaven, please hear me now, I pray. Deliver 
The song is called Kingdom Come. And isn't that what meeting Jesus is all about? Christ in us, Christ with us, Christ coming back for us someday to come. This is Haven Today. Revive us again. Coming up in a moment, we're going to hear the rest of John Lane's sermon on Matthew 22 about an invitation parable shared by Jesus. But first, let's go back to England, just south of London. Pastor Jeremy Walker is back with us again. Jeremy, revivals come in all sizes, all shapes. Can you share one with us that we may not have heard of, but still shows God's power to still transform lives? Thank you, Charles. It's great to be with you. The example I'd like to use, it's a striking one, uh, involves a young man in Scotland at a place called Kirkershots. Mm. His name is John Livingston. You can go to the the same spot today, not the same building any longer, the Kirk or Church of Shots. If you see the landscape, you can really visualize the this, this story that I'm about to tell. Because John Livingston at the time was a, a young man. He was 27 years old and they were at a Scottish communion service, which uh, in Scotland at that time and still in some circles today lasts a number of days. So there are preparation sermons and there are communion sermons and John Livingston was asked if he would preach an additional sermon on the Monday at the end of the communion season. And he was really burdened by this sense of responsibility, felt himself too young, ill-equipped, mm. spent most of the night pleading with God, um, really actually thought about just running away so that they wouldn't find mm. him when the time came, uh, but became persuaded as as he prayed and others prayed with him that this was a duty that God had given him, a responsibility and an opportunity. So he went back on this Monday and he preached from Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 to 26. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now, he preaches on that text for 90 minutes. Hmm. And uh, at that point, uh, remember, this is a Scottish summer. And so typically for a Scottish summer, this is the point at which a storm rolls in. So a storm (laughs) rolls in. And again, if you've got a sense of the landscape, you can imagine it sweeping in maybe from the coast and and climbing the hill toward where the people are gathered around him. And the rain begins to fall and the people begin to to turn up their their coats and their cloaks because uh, the rain has begun to come down upon them. And uh, Livingston uh, pauses and says, you're so quickly bothered by the rain. You're so quick to shelter yourselves from a few drops. What will it be like for you when the judgment of God falls upon you? And Livingston, at that moment, both he and the people to whom he's preaching, there's an almost immediate sense of spiritual reality that grips them. Mm. And mm. Uh, he, he says, uh, he reminds them that though the judgment is due to come, the door of mercy still stands open for such as you are. And he calls them to understand that the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ are the lone defense from that storm of divine wrath. And none but those who come to Christ just as they are, empty of everything and take the offered mercy at his hand will have the benefit of this shelter. Now, bear in mind mm. that he's already been preaching for 90 minutes. <laughs> he gets, if you like, a spiritual second wind, preaches for another hour. 
helped by the Holy Spirit in a particular way. And it was later estimated that 500 people came to faith in Jesus Christ as a consequence of that one sermon. Mm. Now, what's interesting in Livingston's case is the next time he preached, he said he knew a little of the same kind of heavenly help. And I think it was the time after that, he said he preached like a man standing alone. So really, in Livingston's case, it was almost one distinct sermon. And he mm. knew unusual assistance at that one period and never really knew the same afterwards. The reason why I refer to, to Livingston, John Livingston at Kirker Shots, is that in Scotland and in other places, very often that becomes something of a paradigm. And people look back to that and they say, Lord, we want something of that with us. And so you have other occasions when people have been pleading with God for the blessing like Livingston had at Kirker Shots, and they know it over an extended period, maybe for a, a season of ministry. And, and when that happens, then you see, and you hinted at this, it's not just that one man and one congregation is blessed, but you walk through a town that used to be utterly godless and the people have started talking to each other about Christ and salvation and, and what it means to follow God. And so it's not just amongst God's people in a church or a service, but the glory of Christ is seen and the power of God is known and the converting and sanctifying influences of the spirit roll out and whole communities are transformed, sometimes for a generation or two. And, and really, you know, I, I think we'd say if we're if we're Christians, if we're preachers, Lord, I'd take any or all of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Give me just one sermon. But but wouldn't it be wonderful to have a whole season or a man who knows like Charles Spurgeon, who knows something of that kind of blessing for perhaps decades at a time. And there's a transformative effect in and from the church that leavens the society around it. Mm. What a delight. Jeremy Walker, pastor in England. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for Revival, the Work of God a DVD which we'll tell people about. It's been both a pleasure and a privilege, Charles. Thank you so much for having me on. Pastor Jeremy Walker, I'm so grateful you could join us again here on the program. You're listening to Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. We're calling the program series Revive Us Again. Yesterday, we heard the first part of an invitation message out of Matthew 22. John Lane preaching at the Free Methodist Church in Wilmore, Kentucky. Join me now as we listen to the second part of his message that leads us to Jesus. My kingdom is an invitational kingdom, it seems God seems to be saying, particularly to the most unlikely. My kingdom is an invitational kingdom to which the most likely people will probably say no. The busy people will say no. And my kingdom is a party that's open to all, but one in which you need to have Full engagement once you're there. Tom Wright, Dr. Wright, in Lent for Everyone, he said this. He said, God's wedding party has been thrown open to all and sundry to Gentiles as well as Jews, as Paul never tired of insisting. That doesn't mean that once you've accepted the invitation, you can carry on as though it wasn't God's wedding party. All are welcome, but you have to dress appropriately. Appropriately. 
in every parable, whether it's the prodigal son or the sheep, the goats, the sower parables, we tend to ask the question, where am I in this parable? I've found that it often depends on where I am in life <laughs> as to who I am. And, and most often I've found myself to be so many different people in the parable, right? I've been the prodigal. I've been the father looking for the son. I've been the oldie, older grumpy brother complaining about my prodigal brother and sisters. Here, we, we've been those people who are invited but too busy. We've all been that. Too self-focused to respond. We often live our lives, I believe, in the presumed absence of God's presence. In fact, I think one of the greatest definitions of sin is simply wherever in our life we have not invited the presence of God. And that can be any area. We've been those servants who are carrying the amazing message of God's invitation, only to find that the very one who stirs our heart is just dull in the eyes of other people. We've seen our Lord mocked and ridiculed and misunderstood and rejected for reasons we can't understand. We've been those messengers. And some of us have friends and family who have been the messengers who have been killed. We've even been the mistressed guest, the hypocrites who, for whatever reason, as James writes, we praise our Lord and the Father with the same tongue. We curse human beings who are made in God's likeness. We've been those people. We've been all of these people. Our temptation is to read and hear the parable through the wor- these words of who am I? But Jesus' point is, let me tell you what God's like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Therefore, this is what God is like. The party-throwing, sun-focused, inviting king who says, Come on. I want to meet you. I don't care what you've done, who you are, where you come from. Would you come? And it's not come to Wilmore. Thank the Lord, right? That's maybe past. It's not even come to church. It's, It's come to me. Come and celebrate. There's something deeply impactful in the human heart and in this experience, in an actual experience that says, come. Now, I know many of us are heady. You know, we, we are Wesleyan. We believe in the quadrilateral or the, the what's five? Quintilateral? Uh, Dr. Schneider reminded us that nature is a part of experience, reason, tradition, and and, and scripture. So we are people who see through those minds, but folks, the vast majority of us just need to know experientially that we personally are invited. I need to know I'm included too. I'm wanted. I'm invited. I'm cherished. I'm seen. I'm known. Many of you know the story of John Wesley's heart strangely warmed. Just remarkable story. In January, Jill and I got to go to England and do the Wesley tour and got to see where John Wesley knelt down in his room where he prayed. I've got a picture of where he was praying. Got to see his house, got to go see, go to Epworth and see his home and hear the remarkable story of Susanna and her, her prayer life, and all of these things. And we got to go to Charles's home Ooh, and see the instruments and, and just think about how this man um, sang the praises and glories of God and wrote them so that we could sing them too. 
Charles left Georgia before John did. Burned out, tired. He, he, he had traveled with John over here. He particularly had a heart for prisoners, but it just didn't seem to connect here. He went home, and he was so frustrated and so just disgusted even by his own heart that he, he became an invalid. In 1735, about 1738, he became an invalid. He just lay in a bed. Depression took over him. His body just seemed to be decaying away. It was 1738 when Charles moved in with a person he called a poor, ignorant mechanic. We all need some of those. <laughs> Named William Bray. He saw in William Bray a spirit, even though his lack of education, a man who had a real and living relationship with the Savior. Charles is laying in bed ill, but he sought God for peace that he saw within his mechanic friend, uh, William Bray. And it was in May of 1738 that Charles and his group began studying Lutheran's commentary on the Galatians. And as Charles is reading this in his society meeting, one of the members, William Holland, is dramatically converted. And a few days later, then Charles finds peace himself in the words of Paul, the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Charles says, that's me too. Charles calls this his day of deliverance. It was May 21st of 1738. And two days later, he wrote these words, and can it be that I should gain? an interest in the Savior's blood, the Oxford-trained missionary who deeply heart as an Anglican had never really known me too. <laughs> me too. He died for me who caused his pain. And the remarkable thing is right after that, two days later, you may know this story, Charles went and visited a prison. And he asked the guards, can I stay with the prisoners who are going to die at the gallows tomorrow? And the, the guard said, sure. So he and a buddy, they spent the night, all night long, in the prison cells with the, with the people who were going to die on the gallows the next day. They sang to them, they preached to them, they told them about the grace and the goodness of God. And then as they're marching to the gallows, these men accepted Christ, the invitation to be a part of the kingdom. Charles is riding with them in the wagon as they're going to be hung. And this is what they later said. These men were cheerful, full of comfort and peace and triumph, assuredly persuaded that Christ had died for them and now was waiting to receive them in his paradise. And then they hung and died. And you'll get to meet them in the kingdom of heaven. The invitation is open. The invitation of God is to you too. And can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood? Died he for me?
by Charles Wesley, one of the Wesley brothers. A famous hymn, and can it be, sung a cappella for us by the music group Glad. I'm thankful we could share the rest of Pastor John Lane's message on Christ's inviting nature today. And I'm also thankful we were able to hear another revival story from another pastor, Jeremy Walker. I want you to get a copy of the documentary that he helped produce called Revival. I believe the more we know of how God has worked in the past, it'll inspire us to pray for God to work in the now, for God to send revival. This feature-length film walks you through the history of some of the greatest revivals of all time. And as you watch, I know you'll be encouraged to see that God moves in big ways, in churches, in towns, even nations, and starting with hearts like yours and mine. 
Call us right away. Make your gift to this listener-supported ministry to keep sharing the good news of Christ. And as our thanks, we'll send you the double DVD called Revival, God at Work. Not only does it include the entire documentary, it also has a second DVD with more great stories from past revivals. And it also includes a digital version link for anyone who doesn't have a DVD player, and that's a lot of us nowadays. Our number to call is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or go visit our website. Watch the trailer of the documentary. You'll get a feel for what it's all about. And you can make your gift there at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And while you're on our website, check out the Great Stories podcast, where we have extended interviews with people involved with the Asbury Outpouring in Kentucky. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share the great story, the story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Rulers, even the best rulers are sinful humans, but how often do we trust in them as if they were our saviors? If only my candidate gets elected, then things will be better. But you know, there's only one ruler who makes the ultimate difference, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. Way back in Psalm 2, that's what the Lord said. I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Zion, the mountain and city of God. That's where Jesus was set up as king, but not in a way you would expect. He was crucified and buried on Zion, and then he rose again. Even now he's ruling in heaven. Human authorities will fail us. God's appointed king is ruling. Get started with Anchor Devotional today. Visit GetAnchor.com.